Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Corey here. Welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Before we go into the news stories that I have for you for this week, about two weeks ago, we covered a story that looked at breast cancer risk in the screening um, among queer women, and the author of that study, the lead author, Austin Williams, uh, was kind enough to call in with a little bit more of information about the study and why it is important. This is, this is Dr. Austin Williams, author of Breast Cancer Risk, Screening and Prevalence Among Sexual Minority Women, an analysis of the National Health Interview Survey which was recently published in the journal LGBT Health. For this study, we used the National Health Interview Survey and looked at women who were 40 years or greater and analyzed breast cancer risk and screening. The National Health Interview Survey is an important data set as it's the only national data set that codes for both sexual orientation and health variables. Interestingly, we found that sexual minority women possess a different distribution of breast cancer risk factors, and also report different reasons for undergoing mammography. This highlights important differences in health maintenance among sexual minority women, issues that require further research. Thanks again to Dr. Williams for calling in and sharing more about that article. Now we will look to the news stories that we have for you for this week. As always, if any of these are of interest, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.com and find a written version of the Roundup with all the links. Our first story of the week, how lessons with HIV can inform us today. UNAIDS published a report on how the human rights-based approach that has been applied to combating HIV can inform the current fight against COVID-19. Their recommendations include engaging with communities at every step in their response to the, uh, to the outbreak, in part to build trust, combating discrimination and stigma, which has been a huge part of the battle against HIV and has emerged as a key theme with COVID-19 as well, and removing barriers to seeking services, be they socioeconomic conditions or misinformation. Next up. Queer Men's Struggle After Prostate Cancer A new study led by Megan McInnes examined the scientific literature on sexual health of gay and bisexual men after being treated for prostate cancer. It found that sexual minority men had unique concerns with respect to their sexual health that they wanted addressed, but also found that they were dissatisfied with the guidance that they received from their providers around sexual health issues. It also found that they had to deal with heteronormativity and homophobia within the healthcare system as they were dealing with their actual, you know, cancer diagnosis and its aftermath. So definitely an indication that when we think about how to provide cancer-related care um, to someone, that we're thinking about the impacts that it's going to have on their lives, and we're being inclusive about all of the different identities held by the people who are experiencing uh, that disease and who need that you know, that guidance, that support after diagnosis. And our next story, new research on HIV among trans folks. Paz Magazine reported on some recent research on HIV among transgender individuals that was presented at a virtual HIV conference that uh, just happened recently. 
For example, one of the studies they discuss looked at HIV among transgender men, which is an often overlooked topic, and found that 43% of the group had been tested and 2.8% were living with HIV. Another study examined risk factors among transgender women and found that older age, homelessness, and more knowledge about HIV were all associated with increased rates. And, you know, they, they noted that uh, the fact that folks who have more knowledge about HIV um, was kind of surprisingly associated with having a higher rate of HIV. And, you know, that may suggest that that this group is learning about HIV after being diagnosed and not before when, you know, they can actually um, prevent transmission. Um, so a lot of really interesting research and great to see, uh, you know, a diversity of the issues that are uh, being studied regarding trans folks, including trans men who, as I mentioned, often are kind of ignored, um, you know, as having any HIV um, risk, which of course is not true. Next up, substance use services needed. Researchers found that young sexual minority men in Vancouver, Canada, who use opioids have a variety of harm reduction strategies in their toolkits. However, I also found that they faced barriers to safer substance use. The authors recommend locating low-barrier harm reduction opportunities within LGBT spaces like Pride events and LGBT venues, as well as ensuring that existing services for people who inject drugs are LGBT-inclusive. Our next story looks at treating transgender patients with cancer. Oncology nurse advisor explored how to improve services for transgender patients with cancer. They say that more research needs to include transgender populations to help inform providers, 80% of whom say they lack the knowledge to treat transgender patients effectively. The article also recommends making changes to the office environment from intake forms that do not allow preferred names to gendering of diseases. So, for example, using the color pink for everything related to breast cancer when, you know, there are um, men who also get breast cancer who may not be as comfortable, you know, having all of that pink material, pink uh, hospital robes and all of that. This story to me relates to the one that we had on uh, prostate cancer above. That was with gay and bisexual folks, and this is with trans folks. But they both relate to the fact that, you know, we, we have to really kind of broaden um, our understanding of, of who is, um, you know, susceptible to different diseases, their identities that they hold, and think about how the environment, the information that we're putting out there, the posters that we're hanging on the wall, all send, you know, a lot of coded messages around gender and sexuality and trying to remove that so that we can have, you know, more um, more neutral messaging or more diverse messaging that's going to apply to everyone and make everyone feel comfortable. And finally, we're going to end the week with a positive story, How One Queer Woman Quietly Made History. NBC News reported on the untold story of Kathy Kozichenko, a lesbian woman and human rights activist who was elected to the Ann Arbor City Council in 1974. That was three years before Harvey Milk won his first race in California, and shortly thereafter became widely regarded as the first openly gay person elected to public office. So uh, Kozichenko, you know, was in office before that, just a few years, you know, kind of exploring why um, why she isn't recognized as the first person. She says maybe it has to do with sexism, or maybe it's because, you know, she was running on a different um, slate of issues. She was open about her sexuality, but that wasn't as big a part of her, um, of her campaign as it was for Harvey Milk. 
In any case, Kozichenko, Milk, and others helped lead the way to the 800-plus LGBT elected officials who are in office today.